Today's show might be my favorite of the entire year. We start out slow, but by the end, oh, I wish uh, it could have gone on forever. We meet with Chris Snyder of banks.com. We discuss his evolution in um, working with this domain, the process of acquiring it, um, intense amounts of negotiation, creative problem solving, um, so many pieces of very valuable insight. Um, talks about banks.com itself, um, the execution uh, struggles that he's had, what he's learned along the way, um, and a lot of conversation surrounding deal structure and how buying this domain name fundamentally changed his entire business model. Super, super interesting show. Enjoy. FD was built by domain investors to increase your inquiries, sales, and profit. Forget spreadsheets and archived emails. Manage your entire investment portfolio in one place using a secure and completely confidential platform. Learn more at FT.com. That's E-F-T-Y. FT.com. Hey, Sherpa Network. Thanks for joining us today. I'm Tess Diaz, executive producer of DomainSherpa.com. And today we're bringing in a very interesting founder with quite the story. Uh, welcome, Chris Snyder, president of marketing agency Jewel and also founder of Banks.com. How you doing, Chris? Doing great. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Delighted to. And Andrew Rosner, CEO of MediaOptions.com. Um, he really specializes in global uh, valuation of domain names, but also is a serial entrepreneur and uh, founder himself. So welcome to the show, Drew. Thank you, Tess. Delighted to have you. And this is going to be a really interesting story. So um, much of our audience are domain investors and are very interested to hear how you acquired a, uh, what we call an exact match domain, right? What people are searching for are banks and banks.com exactly matches what they're searching for, but also how you came to value that and um, proceed with an acquisition without much of a background in the um, domain world. Um, so why don't we start just real briefly about your back? You have, I, I believe, uh, some finance background and then you entered the marketing world. Yeah. So, so I'll go really fast here. I started my career in the mid nineties at a small computer company called gateway cow spotted boxes. Um, computers were, you know, 286, 386, 486. They finally turned into Pentiums, um, when I worked there, but there was no laptops. They were $7,000 computers. There was no CD-ROMs. I think we sold um, one of the first CD-ROMs. It was Gateway and Dell all the way. Um, mm -hmm. So that's where I got started. And I got started in... Um, and, you know, and by, sorry to interrupt you, but you know, all that is old is cool again. You, you saw that uh, Walmart just launched, uh, you know, basically relaunched Gateway. Yeah, um, I, I did not see that, but I see... It's like... It's, it's, it, I think it's like the, the number one selling computer since it launched. Yeah. Listen, that, you know, in Walmart, by the way, I just bought a good bit of their stock too. I think really they're probably the only people that can compete with Amazon. They're not going to, I mean, they're not going to do real damage, but as far as market share, Walmart is doing all the right things. And I believe in that brand and the gateway brand is strong too, 
right? Yeah, I mean, it is. It is. Yeah. So, so that was all hardware, right? And then as I, as I looked at my commission checks, they kept going down and down and down and computers went from five, six, $7,000 and you're selling, you know, $30 million a month in hardware to, you know, $900 a computer, right? And you're just trying to eke it out. So I moved into services. I worked for, um, you know, some consulting firms and got really heavy into software and services. And then I wound up in 2005 moving out to LA to take a job at a company called LowerMyBills.com, which was bought by Experian um, for about $300 million. I had nothing to do with really any of their success. I will say that. I mean, they sold the company three months after I got there. And I was like, well, that kind of sucks because I took a swing and I made yeah. 900 bucks. 900 bucks. That's what I made. So, so, yeah. So, in 2005, I learned about advertising, performance marketing, and specifically lead gen in the financial services space. We were doing, you know, you know, tens of millions of dollars a month in revenue. We were spending at least $100 million a year online. And what I learned was wow, there's like a lot of demand, uh, consumer demand back then. This was before the financial crisis in 2008. I mean, they were basically giving anybody a mortgage. Right? So, subprime was hot. AmeriQuest was hot. Countrywide was hot. All these guys were just giving away mortgages. And then the whole thing imploded, right? Um, I literally walked into my office one day and my boss said, hey, could I talk to you? And literally pulled me into a room and there was HR sitting there. This was August of 2008. And he was like, you got to go. Right. So I literally came home with my shit in a box. Like I, I was in Santa Monica. Yeah. They literally stood at my desk to make sure I didn't take anything. I didn't have anything anyway. And uh, I had a Blackberry phone. Um, it had all my contacts on it. They watched me load everything up. And by the time I hit the elevators, my Blackberry phone was wiped. I couldn't even call, I couldn't even call anyone because I didn't have any phone numbers. Oh. And I, and I, my, my wife and I, we were living in Malibu at the time and I uh, drove home and she was like, what are you doing home? I'm like, I just got laid off. She says, well, what are you going to do? So I'm going to go paddle boarding. So I literally, <laughs> literally went paddle boarding for like a month, like six or seven hours a day, just, you know, freeing up my mind. Yeah. So, Good for you. So, I have a um, so lowermybills.com is also what we would consider an exact match domain. It's something someone is, you know, worrying probably during those exact times and typing it in. Um, it, were you aware of the connection between the lead generation they were doing and the advantage that they had with a domain name like that or domains just weren't no, on the radar? I had no idea. I came from an enterprise software and hardware background where I had numbers that would, they were like, hey, you own this territory and you need to build $2 million in this territory in software and services. And if you can't do that, you're basically fired, right? Like, and you ran around on airplanes. This was before 9-11. Um, you dressed up in suits and you put your, sh your shirt on and your tie on and you went in there and you fucking sold this stuff. And yeah. if you hit number, you made 200 grand. And if you missed yeah. your number, you got fired. Like, so <laughs> internet... Yeah, I knew what the internet was, but when I looked at what was going on at Lower My Bills when I got there, I was like, wait a second. 
you guys buy something, basically, you buy a lead in general. You, you're buying something for 20 bucks and you're selling it for 250 bucks and you're doing that 500,000 times a month. Yeah. What the fuck is going on here? Like, are you, like, what's going on here? So I just dove in really and I was on the sales side. So I had the banks, right? Um, I had the banks, I had the mortgage brokers and our job as, as um, you know, business development or the sales teams are, was to sell them leads. And at that time it was really just the wild west. I mean, you know, there's very uh, little, you know, quality scoring on those leads and, you know, there's no comply. I mean, you know, people, people were selling the leads to 15 or 50, you know, 500 different uh, yeah. buyers. And, I, uh, yeah, I will say, I mean, I think of all the companies out there, Experian runs a really tight shop and I don't think they would have, they would have given us the time of day if we were pu pulling all the shenanigans that you both know go on in this business. But yeah, we had a returns department and if people weren't happy, we would check, we checked everything. We checked everything. We only sold the leads as many times we said we would. We didn't resell data. We had a high quality product, mm -hmm. so, which at the time made sure that we kind of dominated the marketplace yeah. until 2008 hit, of course. Mm. Yeah. Kind of neat to see how it's building here. So you start out in the hardware, then software as a service, then now you happen to be specializing in a region with banks. I'm not sure how paddleboarding fits in. Um, no, the cre uh, truly, I think anyone who has the time, the creativity of downtime can be really valuable for your next steps. So what was your next step? Well, so I came home with my shit in a box, as I most affectionately say, and my wife had already, and her and I actually worked together at Lower My Bills. Um, she had already started the agency, which is Jewel, and this was in 2008, and, and I just said, I'm not doing anything, I'm just gonna chill out. Like this is, and by the way, I've lost multiple jobs. You know, I'm not, I'm not a, I'm not, not a your first rodeo. No, no. I've probably been shit can like six or seven or eight times. Like it's not a big deal, but yeah. I just didn't. I, but at this point I was like, um, 2008, I was like 32, like 32 years old or something. And I'd been working since I was like 18 in professional businesses doing this work. And I was just kind of sick of it. You know, I was like, so I'm paddle boarding and one day I come home. She's like, are you, how long are you going to do this? Really? Like, because you got to do something. Okay. So sorry. I, I got another question. So you said she'd already founded Jewel. Was she still working at Lower My Bills or she had also gotten laid off at this point? No, she had left. Well, she had left a year prior because okay. she probably, she's smarter than me. She saw the writing on the wall. And so she was exclusively doing the marketing agency. Yeah, so she left like a year prior and she started her own business. And again, it was hot. Like anyone that understood how to do this work was, um, you know. Uh, in high demand. In high demand, for sure. Yeah. So she was already cranking. She already had, you know, 10 employees maybe. They were, we were working out of our house. These people were coming into our house. This was pre-kids. We had four bedrooms. We had two of them were offices, right? We literally were letting people in our home to do work. But I went on a couple interviews, you know, cars.com and the, there was a, a myriad of these lead gen. I actually interviewed at Quinn Street. I, you know, I talked to Leadpoint. You, these are all names that are circular in our mm -hmm. business. And I was just, I just, I had no desire to have another boss. I just couldn't, I'm just not very employable that way. So I, she's like, well, why don't you help me out? And so I started making phone calls and 
I don't know, what is it, 2021? I don't even know what year it is, but here I am still cranking away, you know, doing, literally doing online marketing um, since 2005, 2005, 2006, sales, marketing, you know, strategic planning, media buying, email, analytics, like there's probably not content, not too much I don't know about this space at this point, so. What's so funny to me is, you know, uh, I think our audience sees it clearly, you know, you're, you're, you're banks.com today, you, you own banks.com. And, you know, when we bring a domain investor on who, is, who has developed a business on one of their domain names, you know, it, it, it's domain first. Everything is domain first. You know, you've been telling your story. Uh, I don't think bank, uh, banks.com has come out of your mouth yet. And uh, I think I, I, I just have to laugh. I think that's really funny in the difference in, in priority and perspective. You look at it and say, look, I'm, I've got banks.com. And I, you know, I'll let you tell that story. But it's like, you know, I've got banks.com building a business. You know, you're not even talking about the brand. You're not even talking about, you know, hey, I got banks.com. You, you know, it's, it's, I'm doing content. I'm doing this marketing. You know, you're doing the same shit you've been doing. That's uh, right. Just happens to be today on banks.com and for yourself. Yeah. And for the parts of our audience who are domain investors who want to sell to an end user, um, I think it's really valuable to hear the mark. You're basically who much of our audience would be selling to. And to hear your perspective, you can't sell to someone um, when you're a product of their priority. Okay, what do you think? Yeah, no, no, no. Chris is actually like sort of the man in the middle. Chris is, you know, um, which is always a a, a difficult place to be, you know, neither black nor white, you're gray. And uh, not a domain investor, not necessarily the end user, you know, you're trying to compete against the ultimate end users and you're using a strategic brand, a strategic domain name in order to get a leg up, in order to be able to compete as a David against the Goliath. And so that's the story, right? And that's who you are. But you wouldn't necessarily be the end user that would buy, uh, uh, you know, that, and I could be wrong, but you're, you're not going to pay the same price that uh, a typical end user would pay for a domain name, um, you know, if I understand correctly, I think, you know, you ended up in banks.com opportunistically. That's right. Which yeah. um, is, is, is different than, you know, being an end user and then somebody coming to you with the right domain for your market. This was a purely opportunistic play that, that you know, fed into the skills you already possess. What, how did you end up with banks.com? Yeah. So, and by the way, that's a good lens. I consider myself an entrepreneur and just, if I'm good at something, I'll just say, oh, well, that seems like a good fit. And since I'm already doing it, it's a good fit. So let's go do it. I don't rummage around the internet looking for different things to do (laughs) generally. So many people try to put themselves in a box and say, well, but this is what I am. This is what I do. Uh, And, and then they lose those opportunities that come knocking on their door uh, so scarcely that if you don't take advantage of them, you know, you're going to wait till the next one comes and it could be a while. Yeah. Um, and so that's such an important lesson. I think for people in general, it's just like, be open to opportunity, be flexible. You know, you, yeah. nobody says, Oh, you're a domain investor. Nobody says that tomorrow 
you know, you're not in the, you know, McDonald's franchise business or that you're in the banks.com business, you know, or yeah. that whatever you got to just be, you know, know as little, you know, know as much about as many things as you possibly can and then see the opportunities when they come up. So, sorry. Yeah. No, I, it's, it's, it's really for me, I've always had, I think I've always had the ability to see opportunities in different ways. And so if, and it's probably because I've done so many exploratory calls over the last 25 years and I've been consultative selling, right? Yeah. So you don't sell a service. These are not pens and you can only have red, white, and blue, right? That's not yeah. what I've done. My whole entire career, even going back to Gateway has been, you can, you can create this customizer made to order, right? Yeah, bespoke. Yeah, so I've always looked at things like, okay, where's the market opportunity? How big is it? How hard do I have to try? How fast can we go? So it, it actually, so this leads in nicely to the banks.com story. So I was at a client um, in Roseland, New Jersey, because our agency Basically, we took the same um, performance models that, you know, my wife and I had learned over many years doing mm -hmm. performance marketing. When I say performance marketing, we didn't charge um, for results. We were basically an extension of their team. We charged a retainer. But we saw that what we were doing in consumer at, at Lower My Bills was not being done in B2B. Like mm -hmm. B2B was much further behind. And, and we basically mm -hmm. took the frameworks and said, well, why don't we do this for B2B because there's not a lot of people doing it and we're really good at it. So we mm -hmm. kind of flipped from uh, D2C to B2B and our agency took off and you know the rest is kind of history. But I was at um, a payroll company in Roseland, New Jersey and I was having meetings and we were doing a lot of you know launching new products with their innovation center and doing very entrepreneurial things. And I went back to the city to stay because who stays in Roseland, New Jersey? I've, I've done it once. I will never do it again. Sorry. Dirty jurors. Dude, it's just like if you want to stay in a strip mall and just stare out the window at nothing, this, it's a great place to go. So I went back into the city. And the reason why I went back into the city is because one of my buddies who does advertising for Verizon, he worked at Samsung, Xbox, him and I are good friends. He was like, hey, we're going to hook up. We're, this is like college buddies. Um, yep. Hey, we're going to hook up. But then he, he like ditched me. So I'm in the city with literally nothing to do, but I've got contacts. So I call a couple buddies. I'm like, what are you doing? Um, and they said, Hey, come to this party, come to this agency party. And I'm like, I don't want to go to some dumbass agency party. This is a terrible idea. He's just like, Oh, it's free drinks. And I don't, I don't like a lot of those in general, just milling around getting pitched by people and rubbing shoulders with people and dressing up. I don't really like it, but I went. And so I met at the party. I met the chief revenue officer for a publicly held company that owned a lot of very high value domains. Right. Um, we hit it off. I told him my story. He's like, Oh, you're more of a, you know, data analytics you know, you guys focus on not just creating banner ads and putting them on the internet. Like, I'm like, no, that's kind of dead. So he called me back the next week. We started talking and I said, look, I'm looking at your portfolio in the holding company and you've got banks.com. What are you guys doing with this thing? He's like, I don't know. I go, well, I can tell you I'm looking at it. It looks like shit. 
I don't know who's working on it, but it's really bad. And at the time, it was a website focused on millennials, but this goes back probably 10 years. I, I mm -hmm. realized through a lot of iterations with these guys that this thing's been bouncing around, right? So he's like, I don't know. Let me ask the CEO. It's kind of his baby. He loves it. He likes the domain. He doesn't, I don't think he wants to get rid of it. And I wasn't thinking about buying it really. I was just kind of like, why don't we work on this? You guys can fund it. Our agency will work on it. We're good at bringing things to life. And they came back and they said, well, given your background, why don't you put together a plan? Um, by the way, I wasn't getting paid for this. They were like, why don't you put together a plan and then come out and pitch us and we'll see if we want to work on this thing together. And I'm like, well, so you mean as partners, I invest in it. I do all the work. You take half the EBIT, right? And, and yeah, that sounds like a great idea. I'm on it. I'm in. Fucking all over that. Let me do free work with a lot of risk while I have a whole bunch of other work to do, right? But hold on. But to be fair, uh, you know, at that stage of your life, that wasn't the right opportunity. I would argue, however, and I believe that this will become more prominent in the future, that your abilities represent one cog in a beautifully running machine. And, you know, with the guy that has the domain but doesn't have the skills, and you got another guy that's got the money but he doesn't have the skills, you know, or the domain or, or anything else for that matter other than capital. And, you know, we're very quickly – going from a society that values capital higher above all else to a society that's going to value something else. Expertise. Might be, might be labor, might be expertise, and might, we're going to see. It's probably knowledge, right? So um, I, I don't want to overly discount. I hear what you're saying, right? But I don't want to overly discount that opportunity because I, as easy it is for us to laugh at it and say, you know, you're going to do all the work, take all the risk, and get happy that and, and we can laugh and say, you know, that's a shit deal, you know, for the kid with no capital, nothing to lose, no family, all the time in the world and the right skill set. That is a dream in the making. It's a great deal. Yeah. So, you know, it, I agree with you at your stage, your priorities, you know, the whole thing, bad deal. But for the right guy at the right time of his life, uh, you know, that's an amazing deal. That, that, that's, uh, 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 you know, that's the kind of deal that uh, uh, Mark Ostrovsky, uh, one of the first original demanders, these guys sold business.com for $8 million uh, back in, I think it was 99. It was, you know, right before the pets.com thing blew up. And um, uh, he, he wrote a book called uh, Get, here it is. Uh, uh, I think we, I think we entered, I didn't, Mark, uh, Mike Seiger interviewed him a long time ago, but he wrote this book called Get Rich Click, and it's, it's okay, it's not that great. Sorry, Mark. But it has a few ideas in there that are really good, and, 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 and the underlying concept of a lot of the ideas is uh, that there are so many opportunities now on the internet to make, build a business, make a profit without any capital and without taking any risk. Yeah, true. And so, anyways, I don't want to go too deep down that rabbit hole but but I, I just i think that there is a large portion probably of our audience for which that may represent a tremendous deal to say hey i got banks.com you know how to do how to make this thing tick um maybe there's somebody else that's got capital maybe it's your capital 
whatever it might be. Um, but, you know, here's the opportunity. And I think that that is a great opportunity for some people. I agree. Well, and honestly, you make a great point that I hadn't started considering until very recently. I actually um, evolved a lot during the point at which, so first of all, I'd never done a licensed deal with a publicly held company. I've done big mm -hmm. contracts, but me being a cog in a wheel at a big experience or whatever, you give it to the lawyers and you just walk away. And when they say no, it's no, right? Yeah. You have yeah. no culpability in the matter. But I literally um, started this in, um, I started the negotiation process in December of, um, December of 2016, um, I, I literally inked the deal in July of 2017. It was a licensed deal. I did not at that point own the domain. And I would say that back to your point, I may have just given who I was as a business person at the time, um, may not have been as evolved as I am today. And I certainly would have done things a lot differently certainly mm -hmm. would have done things a lot differently, right? So getting back to the evolution, so I have this thing, we do the deal and literally our agency was doing well. So, I mean, we threw the house at it. I spent, um, you know, probably uh, $500,000 um, or $600,000 in less than a year, right? Just in the development, the content, the SEO, the marketing, everything. I mean, I spent, I probably spent a hundred thousand dollars just in, you know, Google AdWords by itself. Right. But mm -hmm. getting back to timing back then there was no GDPR. There was mm -hmm. no California privacy. The mm -hmm. space, I think, um, although nerd wallet was a thing they weren't as big of a thing as they are now. Penny yep. order was a thing, but they weren't as big as a thing as they are now. Um, there was lead gen companies that were still doing okay, but they were not doing near as well as they were doing in 2005, 2006. This is 2000, what, 17, 18? Yep. So I spent the first six months in development. So I would say we didn't get- Yeah, any, first, any, I can say firsthand. It was, yeah, it was like 2014, 15 was kind of the, you know, the, 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 the top of the mountain in it, or, or even earlier than that, but around there, it really fell off. Andrew, and we, should have talked, we, we should have talked back yeah. then because I, I wouldn't have spent the money that I've spent learning that the top of the mountain maybe had already come. Um, <laughs> but, but, but I think we're headed up a new mountain now. Yeah, we are. And, and candidly, I think that I'm hip to that. And I think I finally, after spending all my own time and all my own money and really getting the struggle, once you get the struggle, the, the brain activates and you really have to figure shit out. Or- yes. You go to bed every night and your wife goes, what the fuck are you doing with our money? Right? Yeah. Like it, she doesn't, she's very supportive and, and candidly, she was all in on the domain from the very beginning, but don't lie. She'd rather toast marshmallows with that money. No, <laughs> no way, man. She's, she's an entrepreneur too. But look at the end of the day, I spent, you know, we didn't really get in market until 2018. Right. Okay. Before we get to 2018, so it took eight months of negotiating just for the licensing. Was six there months. anything? I would say six. Yeah. Okay. Um, was there anything interesting in that process, or was it just lawyer, lawyer, lawyer? Or were no. there sticking points, challenges? You know, the interesting thing I learned was, and by the way, I, the CFO of that company who doesn't work there anymore, him and I are still. He's a he's an investment banker guy, super smart. 
really intense, um, but a, a straight up honest deal guy. Like I would come with like reams of spreadsheets and models and cohorts and all the stuff that I understood. And he'd be like, dude, I'm not fucking looking at that. Like, just tell me what you're going to do. Tell me how you think it's going to go. We're going to make it really simple. Right. And, and it was, it was a learning experience for me to work at someone at that level um, and not some kind of other, you know, kind of three or four levels down at a huge company that's just trying to grind you away into nothing. He was respectful. He was kind. He was, um, he gave me a lot of advice even throughout the process is like, look, and by the way, Chris, let me tell you what's going to happen here. He told me this straight up. He goes, if you don't hit your numbers, you, I'm going to take this thing away from you. You realize that, right? Like, I'm like, yeah, I got it. I'm all in. There's no way I'm going to miss these numbers. No fucking way. I've never missed a number in my life. He's like, it's going to be gone. I'm just telling you right now. We're not fucking around. Like, you miss your numbers. You took this risk. You're going to use your own money. We're going to take it away. I'm just saying. Someone's going to ask for the money. It's going to come. So you better hit your numbers, right? So that's what I learned. So that was the first part, just getting the deal done. It took six months. It probably, it might, it could have been done a month earlier, but these things take time. A couple trips out, presentations, right? Um, the CRO, the chief revenue officer who I'd met at the party, he was instrumental in helping out as well. You know, I felt like there was a, some camaraderie and team there. We were going into this. It was going to be hard work. It was going to be war, but we all believed we could do it. And mm-hmm. it was fun. I really, I, I enjoyed that process. And then there's operating a, a business yeah. where you're making all the decisions using all your own money and you can't wake up and like with clients, it's easy with clients. You could be like, Oh, that guy's a dipshit. He told me to do something. I told him not to do it. I knew it wasn't going to work. It's his fault or it's her fault or they hired someone new and they're, they're idiots. Like everybody's an idiot except for you, right? You're the only, you're the smartest guy on the planet. Easy to be a a, a Sunday morning quarterback. Yeah. Yeah. And so now after, after being at big companies and having a lot of success, mid-sized companies and startups, I've run the gamut, you know, doing our own agency and having success there. I was like, this is kind of, you know, we'll put three or 400 grand into this thing and it'll be singing. We'll get out of the agency business. We'll have a real company. Maybe this publicly held firm will buy it. Like I had it all figured out. <laughs> it, it didn't work that way. Clearly. Or so you thought. Yeah. Yeah. I had, so I thought I had it all figured out. So we build all this stuff and immediately the first mistake I made was trying to do too much. Right. Mm-hmm. Just, had a bunch of tech people, you know, paying tech teams 20, 30 Gs a month, you know, setting up all this, these APIs and all these connections. At the same time, I was spending, you know, two or $3,000 a contract to negotiate with, you know, big uh, lead aggregation firms because I knew I couldn't mm-hmm. get the banks fast enough. Yeah. So I basically have to grovel with, you know, the big lead aggregators. Some of yep. them that you may know might be Lending Tree or Quinn Street or Bankrate, Red Ventures. We exactly. talked about that a little earlier. So you just go and you gather up all this supply. And then if, if you're good at marketing, which we really thought we were, we could just go get consumers how we usually got them. We hook it up to the, the demand side, hook it up to the supply side. We've got banks.com. So that's going to be 
that's going to be baller. Like we don't even have to work that hard relative to the other companies that have crappy domains that are completely unknown. Well, they didn't fucking work that way. Candidly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In the early days of the internet, it was, if you build it, they will come. Yep. And in today's internet, uh, it's, if you build it, you know, that's step one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah. tough lesson. Honestly, I thought the one, the one good thing about the domain at the beginning, and I wanted to be careful with this. The one good thing about the domain at the beginning is anybody will take my call. Anyone and everyone. Open stores. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But, Open stores. But I'm also You're, a You're an absolute nobody on day yeah. one. Uh, and that's what it does. It opens doors. Yeah. It opens doors. Uh, and in the right hands with the right capital behind it, um, you can run through those doors and, and, and get ahead of the competition. Uh, but that's, you know, that's the crux of the matter is, uh, you know, if, if you're competing in a market with those types of competitors, you need a big checkbook. Well, uh, I'm, you know, I played free safety in college and I really didn't ever consider that capital was going to be a problem because I figured I could do it. And that was naive. That was pretty fucking naive, right? So it was good. I mean, I'm not saying it negatively. There's been a lot of great lessons here. I've learned a lot. And, you know, thankfully from an investor standpoint, like I've learned on my own nickel, we've done mm -hmm. a lot of great things. I've got a lot of good stories to tell. But at the end of the day, walking into a situation and thinking that you can just create something that's profitable with 500 grand in like an agency team in a year in this space. I didn't understand how much the, how long the contracts were going to take. I knew how long they would take, but I didn't think it would cost this much and it would be this onerous. The contracts yeah. took months, right? Like actually I'm in contract was in contract with Bankrate in 2018. They got bought by Red Ventures that year. I'd been through the entire negotiation process and they were like, guess what? We just got sold. Sorry. Start now, again. Now you're going to work Go. with this other company. We're going to start the process over. And I was just like, fucking every day your offers and on my website, I lose money guys. Like what? Just yeah. get me a piece of paper. Let's, let's get this done. Right. So, so you, I didn't understand. And then GDPR hit California privacy hit. And then all this regulatory stuff, I started really trying to like realizing now being at lower my bills, being at Experian, they have teams of people that do that. Stuff. Exactly. Dude, exactly. I wasted my time and probably a third of my budget on bullshit, right? Yeah. Trying to do everything right. right? You, yeah. you, you invested a third of your time on and money on making mistakes and learning. Yeah, with, GD, with GDPR though, what you should have done um, is just straight up blocked all IPs outside of the United States yeah. because your target market for Banks.com U.S. traffic only. You, you don't. You, I would imagine you know there may be a market for you to sell the European leads, UK leads, but um, whether or not you're even getting that traffic, I don't know. Uh, but we are. And again, back to the lesson, right? The lesson I'm like, this is a global fucking brand. Everybody knows what a bank is. Banks were started by some dude in Italy, you know, 2000 years ago or whatever. It's all documented. <laughs> like, and candidly, you know, I would say between 10 and 15% of our traffic comes from overseas. 
we don't monetize it. We don't really do anything with it. Um, but sort of blocked it or, or redirected it, right? Find a partner yeah. overseas and say, look, we're going to just redirect all European IPs to you. Yeah, something. And, right? you know, you give us a nickel. Yeah, it, does, it didn't even matter. Just, just get away from the regulatory yeah. burdens. And again, yeah. another lesson like, oh, why are we trying to do so much when we don't have really, we don't have anything in retrospect. Yeah. $10 million, we had 500 grand. We don't have a team. We don't have, or we don't have anything. Um, so yeah, so we, so we built the domain. We, you know, we started cranking away. I think the first year we did, I don't know, like $12,000 in revenue. Um, mm -hmm. and that was fine. I mean, I was okay with that. It was like, Hey, we've got relationships. We're starting to grow. We're starting to move, but all this stuff started to happen. And then my partner, our licensed partner, um, they were getting impatient, right? Yeah. And like, okay. You, you were actually supposed to do $300,000 this year, not 12 grand. Just FYI. That's what the contract says. Yeah. So we were supposed to get half of your 300. So you owe us 150 grand basically, right? Oof. Or in violation of contract, right? Yeah. So I was like, that's fair. We talked about it. I did understand this. Yes. <laughs> so, but I was like, well, look, it's, it's not going to happen. I don't see any way we can do it. And besides, I'm putting like my ass on the line here and I'm investing everything, including the kitchen sink into this. I'm working like 15 hours a day, run, you know, running. Yeah. We got clients, I'm doing banks. I've got offshore teams doing all this crazy amounts of work. So that was a little frustrating, but then, you know, they, they basically came back because they had other issues. They had distractions um, in other areas of their business because they weren't focused either because they yeah. had a bunch of domains that didn't make sense to their core business. Banks.com was one of them. So they started to divest out of all these assets. So they called me one day and they were like, yo, man, <laughs> uh, Banks.com is for sale. And, um, you can buy it if you want, but unless you figure out a way to start, like, you know, we go to these board meetings and we're telling everyone banks.com is going to be a thing, but it's not there yet. So you can buy the domain or we're just going to take it back. Right. And that was a, that was a, at this point, I'm like 750 in, right. Wow. With literally, you know, nothing to show for it except for my MBA and in whatever we just talked about. Right? Yeah. Like it was a, it was a rough thing. And I was basically like, well, I don't have that kind of money because the price point was in the millions. It wasn't tens. It was like, you know, below five, but more than two. Yeah. And it was like, I'm like, I'm not going to take a, like, I'm done. Like it just doesn't make any sense. And so I said, I was like, have, well, I don't know. You have to figure out what you guys are going to do. And then they came back. Like it was silent, almost like dead silent for a month. And did you press the stop button? Like, you know, so to stop, stop the bleed, so to speak? I didn't. At that point, because, when, you, no, when you thought they were going to take it back? No? You kept no, going. I didn't because I felt like we were still hitting our milestones. But what I okay. didn't know then, what I didn't know then and what I do know now is I've always been like, you always look at the bottom of where you're going. And if you're there, you're there. And if you're not, you're not. And that's kind of the way I've always looked at things. Did you hit your number? What do you, what do you mean by the bottom? Of where uh, like the, the profit number or the top line number. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. You just, you forget all the milestones in front of that. Um, and you just look at the bottom and you go, am I there? No. Okay. Well, I guess we're, we're fucked. Right. It's like, but that's not really the right way to look at it. 
right? Because what I've learned over the last three years, I guess it depends on your objectives and, and where you sit in the, you know, uh, in the deal. Yeah. Well, I did not have any leverage. Let's put it that yeah. way. That would have been my only leverage. I had none. So, but so yeah. And I was like, well, I don't, so let's try to see if we can do a couple more things here to show improvement in um, the trajectory. Not, we're not going to hit that number. Let's just, everyone stop asking me for it. That was a number that was imagined in a spreadsheet a year ago. Clearly that's not going to happen. Let's readjust the number. Let's keep going. But let's look at what the progress we have made, right? Well, they were basically like, well, sorry, like we'll take another meeting. I flew out. I did another meeting. You know, we all like each other, but that doesn't, that's not the CEO of the company. That's not like the CFO. That's not the board of directors. Yeah. That's not, they don't give a fuck. They're like, where's yeah. the money? <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. So although my contacts were really nice it, in the whole scheme of things, when you're working with a company that has shit. To money do, talks. Like, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, maybe a more emotional question. Um, so you're in the middle of this intense project and the rug gets essentially pulled out from under you or is about to probably. Yeah. And I'm not really hearing anything about considering let it go, letting it go, considering giving up. Um, you just kept said, let's communicate a little more. Let's um, acknowledge that the space is different than we wanted. Um, did you feel like this was the ultimate project for you? Did you feel like you were just, the momentum was just going and so you just didn't want it to stop? Why didn't you look more at walking away? I always look, I always look in the mirror when these things happen. I always say, what is it that I am doing wrong? What is it that I personally am doing wrong? I'm in charge of this thing. I can't blame anyone. I've got all these people believing we can get this done. And we are, there's something right in front of our face we're doing wrong. It's so simple. It's so stupid. And someday I'm going to kick myself for not seeing it sooner. Right? Hmm. So, so you, you just felt keep, like you were on the cusp of a revelation. Yeah. You, so you just, keep, you just keep trying, right? You just keep whittling away at it and grinding away at it. And for me, there was never, there were, the only option to quit was they would have had to like pry it away from my cold dead hands, honestly, because I just felt like we needed more time. I never, I, I was never, uh, I never changed the vision. I never changed, like, it's pretty fucking obvious what it is. This is not, we're not solving a market problem like Uber did. Uber basically said, we're going to reinvent taxicabs. Banks.com is not reinventing anything. This is an execution problem. It needs time, it needs team, and it needs capital. It needs good leadership. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things to this, which I've learned, obviously. We wouldn't have had the same conversation two or three years ago. But it was like, fuck, just give us some time. I'll figure it out. Because I always have. I've always figured it out. So no, there was never any point in time where I was like, all right, you guys can have it. It's just not part of my personality. Super... Good for you. I mean, it's, it's unusual. And I certainly would think that that's part of what made them proceed in uh, what happened next. Well, uh, so so you flew out there, they took the meeting, kind of like, eh, last chance. Yeah. So I really did what I believe to be a deep dive in education around the opportunity in the space, which, I, which is huge, right? The, the opportunity, if you think about 
the deposits in this country alone from the banks, it's $17 trillion. Let's, let's mm-hmm. be clear, right? So you don't have to go to a meeting and explain to any smart person that this is a big opportunity, right? You know, you don't have to go to a meeting and explain to someone that LendingTree does, you know, about a billion dollars a year in revenue. Their market cap is $4 billion. Um, you, you know, NerdWallet is a $500 million company, right? Quinn Street is a publicly held company. They're, they're a billion dollar firm. Their market cap is similar to LendingTree's. I can give you 20 examples. You know, Penny Hoarder went from zero to 80 million. It took them eight or nine or 10 years or how long it's been taking them. But it depends on what kind of company you want to be. It is there for the taking. It is, to Drew's point earlier, it is undercapitalized, right? It needs focus and it needs capital. It needs the right team, right? So I went out there. I basically gave them all the, the fintech and all the banks, banking metrics, all the stuff that we've been talking about. And they're like, well, that's great. That's interesting. Thanks for coming out. And then, I don't know, maybe a couple weeks later, they called me up and they're like, look, we, we changed our mind. And by the way, there's, um, I have a lot of gratitude for some of my internal contacts there. You know, one namely that has had my back. If you guys are not out there building relationships, you're just, you're just fools, right? Like anyone that's listening, if you're not getting deep with the people and you think that can all be business modeled out on an Excel spreadsheet, you're just being foolish. Like, mm-hmm. I'm not saying that's the only thing you do is go out and wine and dine people. I'm not much for that either, but building legitimate, strong relationships with these companies, whether it be the domain you're buying or whether it be, um, and I'm not a domainer, (laughs) let's be clear, but I just, it translates so simply, but there's people, you're dealing with people, right? So I, I, I think I did a good job building those relationships and I got them to see like, this is a passionate entrepreneur. The guy's fucking all in. Can we really just like fuck this guy right now? Can we really do that as human beings? And I feel like, I don't know if they said that, but I feel like that's what I was trying to do in my phone calls and my communications with them. Not like feel sorry for me, but it was like, really? You're going to do yeah. Are you going to do this? Are you sure you want to do this? Such Is your problem. alternative better than doubling down on me? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You're going to ask a question, I think, Andrew, but. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Right. Yeah. So, so anyway, they called me back with a, with an offer that, um, made a lot more sense. Um, and we won't get into the ex- exact numbers, but it made a lot more sense. Um, we, you know, my wife and I have done well, we're entrepreneurs. We had the money. I negotiated a little bit more, which in retrospect was probably foolish, but it worked out. Um, and we wound up buying. This is, so is this the first time that they talked about you buying it instead of, so they, there was no conversation about them keeping it. No, they wanted to sell it. It was, that was absolutely done. That was not part of your pitch to get them to keep doing it. It was just sell it to me. So when you flew out there, you were more about sell it to me, but not at that price. No, when I flew out there, it was more about we're undercapitalized. I'd like for you guys, I liked you, I like them as partners. And you guys should write a check, continue with the deal we have, maybe take a little bit more, but this business is undercapitalized and I know it, given the spreadsheets that we created. Okay. The, it would cost too much money to get to where we wanted to go in that time frame. Okay, so you weren't surprised that they called back still on their trajectory of sale only, but 
um, it made sense given your presentation and your passion that they lowered the price. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, to me, the option on the table was really honestly never for me to buy it because I honestly did not think I thought the domain was worth. <laughs> I thought it was worth. Uh, I thought it was worth what they were asking candidly. And, and I knew I couldn't afford it candidly. And the only path forward to me then was, well, let's be partners. Keep it. Please keep it. Don't sell it because I can make it work. That was yeah. that. But then after they had their things internally and a lot of stuff happened, I guess behaviors changed on their side and they just started selling stuff. Okay. And I have another question. So you said they were divesting really because of a lack of focus. They were trying to refocus. Was there a financial crunch for them as well? I don't, I don't particularly know. They're a publicly held company, so you could probably look Doesn't into matter. that. My, my thing is, is I thought the domain price they were asking, me not knowing much about domains, but doing a little bit of research through this process, it was probably fair. And I thought that so, I could- uh, This, this is what I want to dig into. So I want to understand how did you think about the value, right? I know it, what it sounds like, you know, is, is you, know, you held up your finger and said, well, banks.com, you know, uh, seems like it's worth that. Uh, what, was there any math that went into this? Was there any baseline? Did you look for comparable domain sales? Where, where, where was your framework? Like what was the seed for your framework in, in thinking about this? So the seed for my framework was, was strictly on the market opportunity, strictly mm -hmm. on the market opportunity and what other companies in this space are worth. That was my framework. Mm -hmm. It wasn't about, did someone buy a different domain as a domain sale that looks similar for $10 million? X. Like it was never yeah. that. It was all about, look, I wish I could afford that price tag under 5 million, but over two, because this is a hundred million dollar business. You have to, you guys got to fucking understand this is a hundred million dollar business. I would happily pay that. It's worth that. But I looked at it as a market. I didn't look at it relative to other, you, you know, and I have a whole yeah. sheet of competitors that I had run competitive analysis on like Lending Tree buys this company for 30 million. Lending Tree buys another company for 25 million. Red Ventures buys Bankrate for 1.2 billion. Quinn Street's buying companies for tens of millions of dollars. I'm like, I'll pay it. I don't have it. Yeah. Worth it. But we got to develop it, which costs yeah. money. <laughs> so. so there's two lessons there that I think are really important for, for, for domain investors. So Drew, I can't hear well, you. you. You don't hear me? Oh, I do now. Sorry. Must okay. Right. So there's two, there's two lessons there that I think are really important for particularly for domain investors. Um, one is deal structure. So, um, but well, budget and deal structure. So, uh, in my experience, you know, uh, on a day, uh, nearly on a daily basis, you know, the biggest thing we run into is, wow, I wish you luck. What a domain name. Wish I could afford it. Uh, but I just can't. Right. And, uh, I would say up until recently, that basically meant a hard no. And more recently, we're closing those deals because we're structuring where we have a willing seller structuring these deals in completely, I don't even want to say innovative because these are things that are used all the time in, in, in various asset classes, including real estate, but you know, a, a, a lease to own or a lease with an exclusive option to buy, you know, gives you as an entrepreneur says, look, here's the price I need for this to make sense. I'm sitting on it. It's doing nothing. Uh, 
and, you know, give me some money so that you've got skin in the game. You yep. seem like a hotshot entrepreneur. You're going to go out there and bust your ass because you've got your money on the line. So give me a little money so you got skin in the game. Pay me a little monthly so that, you know, uh, I'm generating cash flow that's in some way, you know, relative to the value of the name. Um, in my experience, between a half a point and two points a month, uh, bigger the go, you know, bigger you go, the lower the, 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 the percentage per month, generally speaking. And, uh, you know, here's the price I need. And, and it might be, it might seem like a crazy number, but you've got five years to go build that business on a lease. If you fail, you walk away, you know, no harm, no foul. You gave it a, a shot. Smarter you guy. A, you walk away a smarter you person. A lease. You were, you walk away with an MBA. So, uh, and then five years from now, you know, it's really a zero or a hundred. Either you've got a business, uh, and, 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 you know, the scale of the business idea on day one needs to be commensurate with the value of the domain that we're assigning. Right. So, you know, if you want to start a lemonade stand and you say, well, I just would love to own lemonade.com. Um, you know, eight, five years from now, even if your business is a raging success, unless you've got a lemonade stand in front of every house in America, it, it doesn't warrant having lemonade.com. So Correct. if you've got a business that's commensurate with the value of the name in, at hand, and you can get, you know, enough skin in the game for the domain owner to feel comfortable, you set up a lease that's, you know, a half a point to two points per month, which should be, you know, more or less what it's going to cost for you to keep your floors clean. Okay. Yep. Um, and five years later, you've either got a business that this shouldn't even be a factor, or even if it's a factor, it, you know, it's clearly, it's, it, it's a no brainer at five years to buy that thing out. Um, and if it's not, you probably should change businesses anyways. Right. So you've got no downside except for the monthly lease, which you're going to pay if you, you know, you go, I, I start an ice cream shop. You're going to pay, you know, probably that much. If you're in a popular city in a popular neighborhood, you're going to pay two to five grand a month just to have your ice cream shop. Right. Yep. Baseline. Never mind the people, never mind the ice cream. So, or the air conditioning. Right. So, uh, you know, those are models that have sort of changed that game. So 1.1, 1 .1, 0 0.2. Uh, I forgot point two. What was point two? I don't know uh, what point know. two is going to be, so, but I, I think you needed point three, which was the relationship aspect as well, because you really need to get in the door and get heard um, to complete a negotiation. Um, and it sound, I want to hear more about that. But right now, um, could you have taken your whole business and instead of it being ever, all the work that you've done, Instead of it being on banks.com, put it on lemonade.com or on betterbanksforyou.com. Did you consider that at all? Or well, you know what's interesting about that question? The one thing that this has allowed me to do is go all in on the marketplace model and fundamentally change the way I operate all the other businesses that I operate in the companies that I help. So um, let's take content as an example. Traditionally, I was a paid media guy. You buy a click for a dollar, you get three or four back, you're golden, you run a bunch of spreadsheets, the analysts look at it, you buy more words, you write more copy, you're off to the races. That's the kind of guy I've been for like the past, let's say 10 years. 
I accidentally stumbled on content with banks.com, saw the power of content, and then treated that. I, I married the, the quantitative aspects of paid media with the qualitative aspects of content, and I started naming different pieces of the articles. I started doing different things, and now we can quantify with a lot of certainty after only writing 500 articles. I know for sure the predictability of that business. Furthermore, it's allowed me to deconstruct finder's business or nerd wallet's business or whatever. And then I got to realize like, holy shit, we need to spend a million dollars on content. If we want to be successful, which Andrew knew apparently five years ago, but I didn't. Right. So it's like, Oh, bingo. So back to your point, it's like, look, now I'm all in on what I would call network effects and marketplace models, which is truly internet, you know, truly what the internet's for. And I wasn't thinking about it that way before. Mm-hmm. And now I'm all in on, Every, every problem I see now gets hit with this marketplace hammer. And if I can't hit it with the marketplace hammer, I don't even want to play because there's no mm-hmm. scale. Um, there's no defensibility. There's no, now back to your point, Tess, if we were to apply that to lovemyhomeloans.com or, you know, whatever, you, you could do the same thing, but you couldn't do it as fast and you couldn't do it as well and it wouldn't be as defensible because the domain is the deal, right? So yeah. whether consciously or subconsciously, if I knew that or not going into this, that is the pitch. The pitch is everybody knows this name. You can't go to Italy. You can't go to France. You can't go to Zimbabwe. You can't go to Cambodia. You can't go to fucking Compton and nobody knows, like everybody knows what a bank is. They just know. So back to your point before drew about what is the sword you're carrying like dude fucking use that like what are you doing with that sword you don't you'd swing that thing dude right and so i have been thinking a lot more deeply about the bigger like the business model the bigger picture how do we build a hundred million dollar company that's worth 10x so it's a billion dollar valuation instead of candidly some of the comps on some of the other guys which are going to be valued two or three times revenue. Our model values us at 10 times revenue. And I'm not going to go in and find the keywords anymore. I'm not going to type this stuff out or you know how to do all that stuff. It's full stop on that. We are on strategy, business model, um, sharing that vision. And if we can't get that funded, then sayonara. Mm -hmm. Capital is the lifeblood of these businesses. And if you don't have it, you don't have the right teams with that cap mixed with that capital. You're not going anywhere. You might as well just wipe so, your ass with the money. This is this was point two that I wanted to make was number one deal structure, right? Don't just think about price. Price is you know God's honest truth. I, I, nobody listens when I say this, but God's honest truth. My experience, price is the least important factor in these things. I agree. If, if it's the right buyer and it's the right name, the price is the least important factor in closing a deal. It, you've got to make sure you can align the interests and align the, you know, explaining how does the domain fill the need, et cetera. So deal structure, very important. Secondly, is that what you're talking about with capital. Having the domain name is step one, right? So when you get approached, somebody says, you know, hey, you know, usually they're coming in, uh, you know, I'm a, school, I'm a student or you got a lawyer or you got a domain, program, but whoever it is is coming in the door. All right. You're assuming, you know, it's an entrepreneur out there. That, 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 you know, maybe they've got funding, maybe they don't. But 
people are thinking about the price and they're thinking, wow, this domain is worth X. And what I think it's really important to understand when you're talking about not the value of the domain, but the price that you're thinking about selling the domain for uh, is that buying the domain is step one, you know, it, it, which comes back to the conversation we had earlier. It's like, you know, you think, oh, I'm banks.com. I'm going to throw 500 grand at this thing and we're off to the races. But, you know, the reality is, is okay. Don't get me wrong. Only banks.com. You're not on this podcast and you don't even have a horse in the race if you don't own banks.com, right? You know, game, you know full stop, right? So, so it's a big step, but it's step one. And what comes next is the development. And, and the development can cost as much or more than the domain itself. And that is a huge risk for the entrepreneur or the company. And so, uh, because it is in, in this world, you can throw as much money as you want a thing and there's just an absolute uncertainty when it comes to Google and how Google is going to treat your domain name. So these are things that are really important and I think they're interconnected because deal structure allows the entrepreneur, allows the company to de-risk some of that uncertainty and elongate that, that, that cost structure uh, where, you know, the uncertainty is, is, is decreasing this way while at the same time, your business is growing this way, hopefully, right? And if it's not, you're going to cancel anyways. So you got these two conflating curves that when they meet, it, it's, it's a beautiful thing. Um, but you need capital to sit at that table, right? And the one thing I've learned is... Somebody at the table has to have capital. Yeah, exactly. Somebody. You need somebody capital for you to sit at the table. <laughs> it doesn't yes. matter whose it is, but... Yes. Somebody yeah. at the table has got to have the capital. Yeah, because you just, candidly, it's hard to do this stuff. Um, it's really, really hard to do this stuff. And you're going to pivot around. And an idea will get you nowhere. Yeah. Uh, and you know what? It'll get, it'll, it'll get you in the poorhouse. It'll end up, you'll end up borrowing against the domain. And then you're going to end up owing the money. And now you still don't have a business model. You still don't have cash flow. You're deeper and deeper in, 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 in this thing. So anyways, I'm not trying to be a jerk here. What I'm trying to do is highlight to people that, because I think a lot of people in the domain industry in particular, they get an amazing domain and they say, I'm going to build a business on this. I know what this can be. Yeah. I've got a great idea for this. Well, that's great. Uh, and I think that's wonderful. But, you know, think about that for 24 hours and then tuck that domain away in your portfolio and move on to the next one. Because the reality is, unless you're prepared to throw a lot of capital at it, um, you're just better off treating it as an investment and moving on. Um, or, or, or is this really your life's work, right? Do you really yeah, yeah, yeah. Truly yeah. believe that you're in, I will go live in my car. I will yes. see this through, right? And if you don't have that kind of conviction, like you, you better fucking do what Drew said. Because I, if you're not willing to throw five grand at something to write, yeah. write a plan or you're not willing to work with someone to spend – don't even, you're not even out of the gate. Like you're just, yeah. you have to be all in. And if you're not all in, flip it, sell it. Honestly, yeah. sell it. Exactly. Uh, I'm laughing because this morning I was watching this video. Uh, it, it's kind of old. It happened, you know, back in the last time Bitcoin was running up to parabolic growth. And uh, there was this, you know, bleach blonde dude, you know, kind of uh, uh, looks like he, you know, taking a few too many drugs. But anyways, he, he was interviewed by the, by, by the news and he was living in a treehouse 
I'm like an empty piece of land. He's like, I, you know, I pay no rent. I'm living in a tree house, but he's worth millions. And, and they're like, what is wrong with you? What are you doing? And he goes, yeah, well, you know, I, I'm willing to live in this tree house because I know that, you know, I, I just want to spend all the money I've got. I'm going to keep throwing at Bitcoin because I'm just, I have so much conviction in this thing that I'm willing to live in a tree house, you know, until that conviction comes to fruition. And, uh, uh, you know, it's not different running a business. You, it's like you said, are you willing to live in your car until you can make it a success? Yeah. Uh, it's hard yeah. work. And if you don't have that conviction, you know, go back to the domain forms and start flipping. I yeah. feel like the two of you are a spectacular match. Um, <laughs> Uh, I have a question for both of you from coming the other way. Drew, as you're saying the domain name is step one, um, I understand what you're saying that people need to be aware that there is a step two that is frequently more expensive than step one. But um, I also want to hear both of your thoughts on must the domain name decision be step one because of how it will influence the cost and effectiveness of effort in the following steps. No, well, you know, you could be bankrate.com, right? And, and domain name was not step one, right? Of course it is step one because they're a website. You can't have step two without having the, you know, domain name. But the point being in the business plan, the domain name is not step one. Um, they have a business plan and bankrate just happened to become the brand, right? Um, if you want to go out and compete with somebody like that and you don't have, you know, tens of millions of dollars, then yes, I, you know, I, arguably, um, unless you've got a secret sauce, I think that a domain name is the biggest sword out there for, uh, for an entrepreneur to get a leg up, uh, to be able to compete and punch above their weight. Yeah, so I, I think it is an absolute must step one um, if that's the environment you're trying to compete in. Um, because again, right, we're not even having this conversation if you're not banks.com. Yeah, right? well, it, it, and look, we talked about it earlier. I, I, anyone will take my call. Now, yep. that, I'm not using that, by the way, until I know that it's important because the minute you fuck that up, Yes. They will never forget that the guy from banks.com is a jackass, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Or they will never forget that the guy from banks.com- you behind the curtain. No, you, so I've been laying low literally for two years because I know, like I know how these people are going to react. I've done a lot of research. I've got my numbers. There's certain places that we have to make traction and we can talk about. There's other things that happen. But if you use that sword too often- or, or, too, or, or too soon, you're actually gonna do more damage than good, my yeah. opinion. And, and, and without a sharp edge. Yeah. Right? Don't yeah. swing it with a blunt sword. Yeah, and so yeah. the domain by itself, um, this might be controversial, but like the domain by itself is like, it's not worthless, but it's, it's near, you don't make money just by having a domain unless you sell it to someone like for more than you bought it. So if you're just, the domain just doesn't print cash. Yes, like, but what it does is it makes each dollar that you spend more valuable than your competitors' more same effective. dollar. Yes, it converts better. Yes, and it goes further. And you know, you're a paid marketing guy, right? So, um, you know, in paid media, 
that's a sunk cost. You, yep. you pay for that customer. You, you have a certain conversion rate. They come, they convert, and that's it. You, you, you know, they're gone. And if you have a strong brand and you're in an industry that, that, that warrants repeat business, um, there's a stickiness to these things. And so each dollar you spend continues to pay a dividend. Yep. And there's a certain retention number which doesn't exist in the paid media unless you've got that brand in association with the paid media. Yep. And so it, it alone, the domain name is just a domain name. It's an asset. It's a great asset. Right. And, and you might be able to sell it for more than you paid. Great. But if you're talking about it from a, a business context, again, yeah, step one. And, and the way to look at it is what that domain does is it extends every dollar that you spend further than your competition. And that margin is your moat. Yep. And over time, that moat gets bigger and bigger and bigger because it compounds. You know, like I said, every dollar you, you spend is paying a dividend in retention and higher conversion rates and you're just incrementally increasing that margin against your competitor and then over time that little trickle turns into a river and you've got a really strong moat around you know your castle um and that's the way to think about what a domain does for a business a domain like banks.com if you are committed you know it's not the short term you know make all end all it's if you've got a great business plan and you're committed and you've got the conviction and the capital, it will over time build you a moat around your castle that nobody else can compete with without outspending you by whatever factor you've created in that moat. Yeah, your click-through and, rates are higher because you, you have an immediate built-in trust. You can control yep. the narrative. You can... Honestly, you can control the whole goddamn space. You can command the whole entire space that you exist in if you can do this right, right? Your, your click-through rates are higher, which means your CPCs are lower, right? Your conversion rates are higher because you have more trust. Like, it is just a really, <laughs> it's a really, really great thing. But you got to yeah. do the work. You still got to yeah. do the work. This shit doesn't just fall out of the tree houses. Like, yeah. Bitcoin guy. I hope you like Bitcoin. Um, okay, so now you get the phone call. This is such a good story, Chris. Um, and you have so many fantastic insights. Um, and Drew, you know you do too. Um, but so Chris, so you get the phone call. You've flown out there. You've pitched them, kind of hoping to just keep things going more or less as is. Yep. They call you back. And instead of somewhere vaguely between two and five million, dot, dot, dot. Uh, well, it was less than that. Um, and then, you know, maybe foolishly on my, on my part, but I got to tell you, I didn't, uh, I figured if they had come down that much, um, then maybe I could get a little more, which by the way, back to Drew's point earlier, that was stupid on my part. That, that was, I, in retrospect, that was really dumb. Now the tactic though, I think not, tactic, dumb, not dumb, risky. Risky. Yes. I think the tactic though that I used was smart because I didn't say do this for me without me doing something for you. And it was at the end of the year. And I said, look, if that's the number, I need to go talk about it because I got to raise the money. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I didn't need to raise the money, but I got to raise the money. I have to have some conversations. But if I can do this, would you be willing to consider another discount if I was able to get you the money next week, 
by the 15th. Let me think about it, right? So there was some, there was a little bit of back and forth there. So I did wind up, you know, shaving a little bit off the price, which then created even more buyer's remorse later, wondering if I could have gotten more, which is again, maybe a little bit, um, maybe not foolish, but maybe pushing it a little bit too much. Um, but, you know, I just, I wanted to do the best thing for my family and my business. And I already had 700 grand into this mofo, 750 or some stupid thing. And now I was going to be in well over, you know, I was going to be in a lot more than that. And so I was just kind of <laughs> like, fuck man, where's this going? Um, so anyway, that's how it happened. So we got it. We nailed it down. We, we bought it in December of 2018. And then to readdress the team thing, now that deal, that like 20 page master services agreement and all the numbers and all the metrics that we were on the treadmill for, it just, it was like a huge load off my back. Yeah. yeah. So I immediately pulled out the other sword and just got rid of just everything. I think we were yeah. burning $40,000, $50,000 a month. I was just like, fuck this. We're, we're cutting, we're getting this thing down to nothing and I need to think. Now that we yep. Now that it's ours, like we don't need to remodel the house. We don't need to do anything. We need to cut these costs now and we all need to take a step back. And we need to now think very succinctly about the next five years with no pressure. We need to do the yeah. right thing, no pressure, no investment, no nothing. We just need to go build what we're supposed to build now. And that's kind of what we did. So You know, it's not, it's not the popular opinion and it's not the popular way to go about business these days, but... I, uh, I, I have bootstrapped every business I own and, uh, I, you know, there's a lot to be said for it, man. I sleep, I sleep well at night, even in the businesses that aren't doing well, I sleep well at night because I don't owe any money to anybody. And, you know, that is huge. And, and I know not, not everybody has, uh, that ability or that luxury. And it depends on the type of business you're trying to target and how big you're trying to go. Um, but you know, it's so interesting to me because it fits with my belief system and the way I run businesses uh, that, you know, the moment that master services agreement is out the window, the moment that you don't have that chain around your neck, first thing you do is you say, okay, I'm going to cut expenses. And so, you know, I, I look at that and I think, you know, should have cut expenses earlier. Right. But this is the thing when somebody else has a noose around your neck and somebody else is driving the train, uh, and, 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 you know, you're just the engine, uh, you know, you don't think clearly, you, you don't do things the way that you would do it if it was, you know, uh, hundred percent you, a hundred percent you, you know, but the moment it is hundred percent you, you think, you know, I don't need to do this. I'm not burning cash for no reason here, right? I'm burning cash to achieve somebody else's objective. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to make that point because I, I you know, that's where I, I've run my businesses. I, you know, there's people that started at the exact same time. They have much bigger businesses because they've leveraged. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I bet I sleep better at night. Yeah. Well, you don't, it, it depends like what, where you are in life, where you want to go. Like for me, yeah. it was like, look, it's a, I don't know if scoreboard's the right analogy, but I feel like there is, you know, I'm, I'm 44 years old and I want to build a big, meaningful company. I really want to do that. And I think I'm capable of doing that. In this journey that I've been on for literally my entire life, starting at Gateway, right? And even mowing lawns 
door to door with a push mower when I was a kid, yeah. right? Yeah. You evolve, right? You evolve. And I don't want, I don't want to be Jeff Bezos. Like that's, it's insane, right? I don't, I'm not an egomaniac. I don't drive Ferraris. I don't care about that stuff. I'm a family guy, but I do want to, you know, build something bigger than a $5 million company, which I've done before. I'd like to build a 20 million, 50 million, a hundred million dollar company and just enjoy the, the level that I think I've, I've earned, right. Mm -hmm. Instead of grinding away on stuff that candidly someone maybe 20 years, my junior should be doing, and I should be out doing deals and promoting a company that employs 500 people instead of five. Right? Yeah. I can't talk to you. I can't talk to you about that. I, 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 I'm not the right guy to give any advice on that subject. I, uh, I'm still a guy doing everything I shouldn't be doing. And somebody 20 years, my junior should be doing, and I should be de delegating everything. And, and I still do it all too. But I, it's I still you, you know, it. I'm still, you know, it's like, I'm still sharpening my pencils. But it's my dream um, to get out of it, I guess. It's like, yeah. I, like I feel like, and by, by the way, I think when you get to places, you think well, like where you got is where you wanted to be. And then you realize maybe I was better off. In it's all about the journey. Yeah. It's all about the journey. It's, if you can't lean in and embrace the journey, you're on the wrong path. I agree. That's it. I think this is such a great conversation. Chris, I know we booked you for about 10 more minutes. Do you have a little extra time or not so much? I do. I've got uh, I actually do have to slide as well though. So we're gonna have to sort of bring it bring it bring it around. But um, this this is an awesome conversation and there's just so many lessons here. Um, so basically we've got multiple iterations of banks.com, yeah, multiple approaches and perspectives on what it should be, how it should execute. Um, you know, uh, I think I've heard, you know, two didn't go as planned. And now you're in your third iteration. You've got a, 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 a clear business plan around building a marketplace. And now you want to go out and raise the capital so that you can, in fact, compete with, uh, you know, the players in that space is, is, yeah. Is that accurate? And right That's now accurate. you're two years into your five-year plan that you yeah, well, developed. I mean, let's, let's be clear. Like I bought the domain in December of 2018. So mm -hmm. candidly, the first start in putting- You're less than two years into this thing. Is, yeah, I'm, I, I would say I'm a year into this thing. Like literally yeah. Yeah. 2019 is when we kind of reset the clock. And even as little as six months ago is when I started looking at the real problems that customers face. And when I say customers, I mean the banks. There's 5,000 of them. Do you know how many of them LendingTree has? Not even 500. Why? Why don't they, why, why is there a huge part of the marketplace that's gone completely untapped, right? It's because their business model doesn't allow them to serve the entire ecosystem. Well, guess what? If you're banks.com, you can't say we have every bank on the planet. We're going to help you shop and find stuff for banks. And you don't have every bank on the planet. And you treat some banks differently than you treat other banks because they pay because they can afford to pay. And other banks can't pay because they can't afford to pay because they're community banks. That's not fair. And that's not right. Right. So for me, what has. Well, you know, that's a, that's, a, that's a question for free market capitalism, right? Uh, I, you know, I'd argue, uh, you know, I would just say it's not aligned with your strategy and mission statement. Yeah. 
this is a rabbit hole that I don't want to go down right now. But very much on that point, I I think that that's free market capitalism, you know, at its best. And I think that a lot of those small banks who either their business model is not to try and attract customers from the greater market, it's just local banks, or whether it's, um, you know, whatever reason they're not listed, right? Whatever reason they're not connecting to these marketplaces, um, you know, they're not going to exist anymore. They're going away, right? In a a world of zero interest rates, um, 0% interest rates, that bank, that small bank that isn't trying to address a wider market, he doesn't exist anymore. Probably in the next 24 months, a, a, a big portion of those banks are not going to exist anymore. So, um, you know, I think that, that, you know, there's this confluence of factors that um, is going to make big banks bigger and small banks not exist anymore. And I think that, you know, looking at the marketplace of, of why does bank rate have four to 500, and I'm, I'm just using the numbers that I think you also were just kind of pulling out, um, why don't they have the 5,000 banks? Uh, and, and, you know, and I think it's an analogy for the real world of, um, you know, the weaker you're going to get weaker, the stronger you're going to get stronger. Um, I think that, you know, th- that's the new mountain coming back full yep. circle. That's the new mountain. We're climbing a new mountain because all of this stuff is changing. Banks.com could be very well suited, um, you know, to Sherpa up the next mountain. Um, but I do think that those small banks are, are, are going to be in a world of hurt. Yep. Um, well, I, th- I think you're right. There's, there's asset classes in that group that I think you're absolutely right. And there's mm-hmm. asset classes in that group that I think are consumer preferences have changed and they're leaning in on communities and they're leaning in on, you know, giving back and, you know, we're in a different time from a consumer preference standpoint as well. So there is yeah. some, but here's the good news. It doesn't matter if some of those banks fail and other of those banks win, because I, I'm here to just have everybody on the playground, right? It doesn't, yeah, yeah, yeah. It totally. doesn't bother me, right? Yeah. And I think with our business model innovation, which is, which everybody really loves, like our business model innovation allows us to be more inclusive and mm-hmm. in, in widen the marketplace rather than everyone fighting over the same banks yes. always at the top, which I think, back to your point earlier in the show, we're not going to compete with those guys that way. We're not going to like, mm-hmm. we don't have 60 million unique visitors every mm-hmm. month right now. We can't go build a blue sea. Yeah. Right. Blue ocean. Yeah. So that's yeah. what we're doing. It's a platform. It's a marketplace. I believe it's a, it's a, I think it's a more inclusive marketplace, but that's business model driven, right? It's not so pay to play. Who, who's your ideal capital partner? What, what, what kind of capital partner are you looking for for banks.com? Well, I think, you know, capital nowadays, based on what I understand, and I've been looking at it closely, it's, it's cap money is free right now. You said that at the beginning of the show and candidly, I've, I've talked it's with free. It's free. It's free for those who have it. And it's very expensive for those who don't. Correct. Correct. So look, I, I think that, you know, I'm going on a, a pretty hard push. I've already had some, some, some conversations, you know, with some, some VCs and seed, seed funds, we're not a yet because I haven't proven 
that this new business model can yes. translate from one industry, which is already very proven, mm -hmm. translate from one industry to another. So I think we're in the A round. We're, we'll probably, you know, look for a strategic partner. And I've had conversations with some of the larger guys because I don't think they have the will or the skill to try to do what I'm doing. And mm -hmm. your point earlier, the, the banks.com domain is something that mm -hmm. not, you can't have that. I have that. Yeah. Great. Yeah. So like, and there's only one. That's yeah. the beauty of these things. So if I get 10, if I get 10 customers under my new model, candidly, I mean the model to, to become a $50 million business in less than five years is a thousand customers. But if I can get 10, I can get a hundred. If I get a hundred, I can get a thousand. So mm -hmm. if I prove this model within the next six months, which this is a relatively new thing for us because we didn't want to mm -hmm. go head to head with all these guys mm -hmm. and act like the same company because we're not. Mm -hmm. If I can mm -hmm. do that, I, candidly, I, I think like within the next 18 months, we're kind of done here, you know? So does that, does that make sense? Venture, not private equity, not, I mean, mm -hmm. I don't, no bank, quote unquote, oddly, I've talked to banks <laughs> about this. They're like, I, what I'm like, dude, I have an asset. Lend me money against yeah. my asset. They're like, I don't know what that fucking thing is worth. I'm like, all right, I'm yeah. talking to the wrong people, you know? So, so, uh, you know, I, I, maybe we can wrap on this, but uh, I just listened to, uh, I just listened to a really fascinating podcast this morning. Um, I, I'm a subscriber to uh, real vision, uh, real vision.com. in my opinion, single best piece of, finance, media on the planet, economics, macroeconomics, uh, finance, uh, all aspects of finance. And they had a fascinating, it's a shame. I don't, well, maybe I have it open here. Let's see. No, I don't. Uh, I think. Anyways, it, it was an, it was a podcast, uh, w with an expert in sort of alternative asset securitization. Got it. When I say alternative asset, these are pretty, mainstream assets but alternative meaning not you know traditional risk assets like equities bonds etc and um you know he was talking about uh the securitization of uh uh you know in this in this high risk environment where things are seemingly you know very inflated um and it's very difficult to find yield it's very difficult to find um uh any return that's risk adjusted um you know, and he's going out and he's packaging up, you know, risk assets. So it could be like, you know, a pool of cars owned by a, um, a car rental business. Their business is renting cars. Their business is the marketing. Their business is the rentals. They know how to do that, right? They got it down pat. They got a brand. They know how to, they got the funnel to drive the customers, et cetera. What their business isn't is financing a fleet of autos, yeah. right? And so he'll go in and he'll buy up a fleet of autos and he'll, you know, basically do whatever. I don't know what the, what, what the logistics of that deal look like, but he's basically, <clears throat> he's the guy, he has money. So for him, money's free. So he has a very low cost of capital. He can go out and borrow money, buy a fleet of cars for much cheaper than the business could finance that fleet of cars. And then he can then lend money to the business at cheaper than they could have uh, uh, you know, finance the cars, but more than he can. And so he can make a margin there. And it's a securitized loan, but it's treated more like a bond. And it's, you know, it's a really interesting sort of emerging asset class. 
And I think that it can be applied to many things. And it was the first time I heard anybody really say in much more intelligent words than I've ever, what I think the future of domain names could look like, which is that, of course, it doesn't make sense for some startup to buy a domain for a million dollars or $5 million. You know, that's not what you do, right? You've yeah. got an idea, you're building a team, you need to market it, da, 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 da. What you need is somebody who has a very low cost of capital yep. and a long time horizon who says, I will finance this asset. And then you go build a business on it. And when the time comes, you know, you, you buy it out or, or you just keep paying me a royalty or, you know, a, a lease or whatever it is you want to call it. But, but it, it works in that way. And I think that would have been the ideal business partner for you, right? That would be the ideal business partner for virtually every entrepreneur that sees a banks.com and says, I have a vision. I have the time, the skills, and the energy to go out and build the business that needs to be on that domain. Um, but I don't have the capital to do it. And I think this is the model. This is no, the I, not I just actually, for domains, but I agree with that a hundred percent because candidly, um, if we don't make it when that capital runs out, then assuming, you know, the guy takes all his cars back and he either sells them and gets his money back because there's an asset yeah, there. Totally. Or the, it's the .com, you know, um, analogy, as long as, you know, everybody's clear about the terms. It's like, look, if you really want to keep going, there's a way to do this. And if you fail, the domain's gone anyway. So you want to take a shot at it. Or if you don't want that, then why don't you just sell the domain anyway, right? Just sell mm -hmm. it and take the fucking mm -hmm. money, right? I think, yep. I think that's, and then whoever owns these alternative assets, AKA domains, they just keep giving them to someone until someone figures out how to make it work, right? I think yep. that's a and great then, you idea. Know, and then ultimately that, that scales, right? Ultimately then you've got some kind of like a real estate investment trust that suddenly instead of owning a bunch of real estate that, you know, uh, uh, you know, they own a bunch of domains. They own a huge portfolio yeah. of domains. Some of them are leased out. Some of them are lent, you know, they're lending against them. Some of them are, you know, whatever, whatever. But that creates an ecosystem that's good for everybody. It creates incredible efficiencies. So I'm sorry to sidetrack that, but I, I, you know, as I'm listening to you and I listened to that podcast this morning, it's like so clear to me that that's the future. That's, of course, that's how it should look like. Um, and, you know, ultimately, banks should be the one doing that lending, but they don't understand uh, and they're very slow to adapt. So, yep. Well, uh, capital, again, I think capital, capital, capital. I mean, I think there's teams that are capable. We, we are one of them, but you yep. need to sit at that table, right? You sit yep. at that table in Vegas. And if you show up to that fucking table with a hundred bucks, why don't you just go to the buffet or just go buy a <laughs> shirt of Jack Daniels? Because you're not going to be there for long, right? Yeah. So yeah. you better show up ready to go to sit there for six or seven hours and actually do some winning. And if yeah. you have any other expectations, go get drunk, right? It's like, yeah. Exactly. No point. Let's go to a show. <laughs> yep. yep. Anyway, thanks for that, Andrew. That was, uh, yeah, we'll have to have a discussion about that. I'll look up Real Vision as well. Um, but so I, I think you guys again, name is I think there's garbage. an awful lot more right. you, you could talk about in particular. Yeah, the guy's true? name is Tom, Tom Rutledge, Tom Rutledge, uh, Tom Rutledge with Magnetar, Magnetar Capital, Magnetar Capital. Uh, anyways, very, very interesting interview.
securitization during insecure times is, is the title of the interview on uh, on the Real Vision platform. Excellent, um, love it. Chris, this was awesome. I am, uh, I you know, I, I, I love banks.com. You know, it's like, it's one of those names. It's like you said, I don't care where you go in the world. You say banks.com, they know what's up. You know what I mean? There's no explanation. We were on a Domain Sherpa uh, last week, maybe, you know, we were talking about, it, it was like, the, oh, I think it was uh, Jothan uh, Frakes on Friday on, on the domain name social. He had a cur he had, he had created a graph that showed the number of seconds it takes you to explain a domain name is directly correlated with the value of that domain name. And so if it takes you zero seconds to explain that domain name, the value on the graph is, you know, way up and to the left. And then the, you know, if the, 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 well, I don't know which one is the X and which one's the Y axis. I, I'm too far out of school <laughs> and too stupid, but let's say this is the X axis. The longer you get down on that time frame, the X axis, you know, the value just goes to zero, right? Yep. So it takes you five minutes to explain your domain name. Your domain is worthless. Yes. Right? <laughs> Banks.com, it takes zero seconds to explain that domain name. So it's a very valuable domain name. Uh, so I hope that you raise that capital and I hope that you can introduce a new uh, model to that market because I think it's needed. And I do think it's an exciting time because even though, you know, the really boom times for lead gen in that market was, you know, maybe over five or six years ago, I, I think we're entering an entirely new paradigm and, uh, you may be just at the right time where a lot of other people are gonna to have to retool, right? Uh, margin, you know, hard, hard to make a margin, you know, when interest rates are 5%, and if you're gonna say your margin's 10%, there's money there. When interest rates are zero, you know, 10% of zero is still zero, right? So, so yep. you know, it, it, that's not actually true, that's not how the math works, but the point is just that, you know, as interest rates are so low, it's very difficult um, for the banks to create margin and therefore what they'll pay for a lead goes down. That's right. And so I think that we're looking at an environment where the, the industry is ripe for retooling. You might just be perfect with timing. And so I hope you get the capital and I hope you can go throw, you know, some spaghetti against the wall and see if this sticks. I, but I think, I think the timing is super interesting. Well, Drew, if I don't, so maybe, maybe I guess you'll be good from me, right? If it doesn't work, you know who will sell it for you. <laughs> I do. I do. And, and the good news is that I'm pretty confident that if you give this thing another two years uh, and, and you don't succeed, which I hope you do, uh, the value over the next two years, I think, uh, post-COVID is going to be uh, significantly higher than it is today. Yeah. I would agree. It's all about hanging on. So yep. I appreciate it, Tess. Drew, I'm really thankful for your time today and have me on your show. Chris, I respect your focus, your savvy, your authenticity. What a delight. And the, and the grit. And the uh, grit. Uh, and your wife. <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, the yes. Grit, there's just no other. Maybe they call it dumb enough to try. Who knows? I've been out of school a while, too. So we'll just keep plowing forward. That's what we do. So That's it. Put the blinders on. That's uh, right. All right, guys. I appreciate your time today. Cheers. See you Have next time. Chris. All, right. All right. Bye, Chris.